I'm old enough to uh, and experienced enough to know that the U.S. government is not to be trusted. But I also know that in the immediate situation, the Ukrainians need assistance. Hello, everybody. One and all, welcome to the Habituation Room podcast, the show, the stream, the, you know, the all things to all people, your one-stop shop for selective news and specific views. I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini. Very, very glad you pressed play. Very glad you decided to click on the stream. Very glad you decided to hop in the chat. Of course, we read comments at the end and occasionally i'll read some of your five-star reviews so again make sure you get those in apple podcasts uh helps people discover the show this show today is a very special one we have equal parts thoughtful analysis about international solidarity and making fun of george santos and i hope that you appreciate the marriage of the two so uh, Comedian River Butcher is here. Uh, he's joining me in a little bit, uh, as well as Bill Fletcher, writer and organizer, um, longtime um, political thinker when it comes to left strategy, when it comes to um, just taking the long view of this struggle we call, you know, I guess it's revolution. I don't know. I think it's just sort of staving off uh, the devolution of, um, you know, everything, mostly humanity living how about just is pro-life taken no one's ruined that phrase have they no of course not um if you're here make sure you're liking the like button and you are clicking the things and you're um you know pulling all the levers in there um a couple announcements before we jump in there will be no show next tuesday i am out of town um for the first time in a while and so i i can't i can't do can do can do no show I'll be on a plane. And so sorry about that. However, there will be a bonus episode next Friday as there will be a bonus episode this Friday. In fact, this Friday, I'm going to get from the American prospect, Ryan Cooper, who is following what's going on with the debt ceiling stuff. You know, what Republicans are trying to hold hostage, um, you know, what loaf of bread they want to rip from a single mother's, you know, hands as she tries to nurse her baby. You know, those kinds of sunny, great things. And what will happen if President Biden caves on any of those demands so that we don't, you know, default on our debt. So if that sounds at all interesting to you, which it should, the bonus fish is on Fridays, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, y'all. And it's free to watch. But if you want to watch it back, if you want to listen to it, if you want to save it, you know, like uh, Ariel's voice and the Little Mermaid and just sort of wear it around your neck. You know, like Ursula, patreon.com slash bituation room. That's where you go to do that. Um, save it, uh, keep it, stream it, bop it, all the things. And, uh, you know, support the show. Because straight up, your support is the reason this show is even possible. Don't get me started. Without you, without the patrons we have, without you lovely, sexy beasts, we could not do this show. So thank you so much again for all of your support. Uh, again, 10 bucks gets you that shout out. It also, if you become a patron, you get access to the American Prospect digital version and a deep discount, 60% off. We're talking $24 a year for their bi-monthly hardback, hardback paper edition of the Prospect. Oh, look at that. Habituation room ad on the back. Um, so 
everyone should have received an email or when you sign up, you will receive an email. I've been assured all that, all the kinks have been worked out. So uh, thank you so much to the prospect and to you all again for being supporters. All right, guys. And without further ado, pop the bitch caps on because we're going to go for this. Oh, what isn't there to bitch about? But this is what are you bitching about? Obviously, news of the day, uh, Rudy Giuliani um, is allegedly a serial rapist and um, disgusting pervert, uh, assaulter, um, whatnot. And now, I would bitch about that, but um, I cannot get through that story without vomiting. So, I I feel a little, like I feel it in the back of my throat just thinking about him. Uh, and, uh, but I definitely look, we will see what happens in this case and this story, you know, and I know we of course believe all women must believe all women. Uh, that being said, if, if there were a story of sexual assault, I wanted to believe least it would be this one about Rudy Giuliani, um, forcibly making someone perform fellatio on him while he talks to Donald Trump on the phone. I don't know if that's an edible complex. I don't know what that is, but it makes me um, want to like, um, like, I don't like, I think it's ruined intimacy for me. Like, I don't know if I can feel anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of those stories where you're like, Oh, I just, yep. And it's gone. You know, the magic Remember when you're like felt tingles, no more tingles, tingles all gone everything's dead inside. Uh, but that is not what I'm bitching about. I'm bitching about something that happened last week. And occasionally this show, you know, cause it's a weekly, we get to things a little bit later. The bonus bitch is reserved for fun stories off the beaten path stories. Um, but that CNN town hall, let's talk about it because, um, just in the last 48 hours, even though it's been about a week since the CNN town hall happened, um, couple things. One, CNN was fourth in the Nielsen ratings, um, meaning it didn't help them at all to have basically a Trump rally aired um, during primetime. And uh, they were behind Newsmax for ratings. So that's how little people go to CNN for anything. And maybe that's because they don't have anything. They're very much empty vessels. Um, and also the fact that this, the head of CNN, Chris Licht, Chris Licht, um, had uh he was like you know what i would have done things a little bit differently but ultimately he would have done it the same he was like we should have met the audience members like okay does that help anything no and one thing about the audience that we know is that they were told to be kind so they cannot boo they can only cheer and like if i have a choice between no heckle or happy heckle i'm probably gonna go with happy heckle uh even if i'm angry inside you know what i'm saying I mean, maybe not. I would just probably sit there with my arms closed. The point is, is that CNN, we've all known this. We've covered this for a long time. But it felt like a throwback to 2016 when CNN would just keep like their sort of like wine drunk MAGA moms in a closet, you know, like literally on a rack. And they would go like, eh, like we like pull it out like a long filing cabinet. And they would just sort of like stumble out and be like, he's a strong man. You know, like that, that was who was in the audience. Uh, and Trump was just there spouting his lies day after E. Jean Carroll wins the defamation and sexual abuse 
lawsuit against him. He's running his mouth about E. Jean Carroll being nat or what is he? What like a, a, a crazy, right? Like she was a whack job. Anyway, um, what I'm mad about is, guys, fascism is entertaining. And that's a problem. It's a problem for even shows like this, right? If there's a good Marjorie Taylor Greene story, we do it. I go on TYT regularly. We talk about those things. You want to rubberneck this entire thing. I get it. It gets you clicks. It gets you eyeballs. It gets people ratings, or maybe it doesn't. And what do we do with that? Like, what is our response? Especially when anyone, if anyone from the left says anything a little bit off the beaten path, a little bit edgy, right? And I'm not talking about edgelord edgy. I'm not talking about like, you know, punching down. I'm talking about like a good joke about, you know, killing an oil executive. You know what I'm saying? And I have a joke. Uh, I don't really do it on air, but it's like, you know, I think we should stop. Uh, we should we should stop climate change. You know, for every international flight you take, you should plant one oil executive in the ground. That is a perfectly fine joke uh, on stage. No, but these are the reasons that, like, if someone on the left says something that is edgy or on, you know, and like, or or hey, what if we have a universal basic income? Or what if we have wages for housework? Or what if we have universal access to education? Or what if we have open borders? Nobody wants to cover that. Oh, that's extreme. That's crazy. Blah. Nobody wants to watch us. Come watch us. We're radical as fuck, man. We got hella crazy, crazy ideas. No, 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 no. They don't want to accurately cover that. They want the fascist crazies. And everyone else has to be in best behavior. We have to, <laughs> we have to button up to interview said fascist as we pave that yellow brick road to the Emerald City of shit. That's what it is. That's all it is. Do you understand what I'm saying about double standards? Do you understand what I'm saying about the lack of like, like, of course, you know, writers are on strike right now because fucking executives have no idea what they're doing. They pocket so much money and they have zero creativity and they're conservative as hell and they're scared as hell. And so what do they do? They put on Trump unfiltered, unchecked, complete Trump rally BS. And then, of course, you've got Anderson Cooper. And I'm going to play just a little bit of this, not all of it. Anderson Cooper talking about how, you know, oh, I know what you saw last night was was hard to watch, but Anderson, um, son of a Vanderbilt Cooper, has some advice. Many of you have expressed deep anger and disappointment. Many of you are upset that someone who attempted to destroy our democracy was invited to sit on a stage in front of a crowd of Republican voters to answer questions and predictably continued to spew lie after lie after lie. And I get it. It was disturbing. It was. I'm just like you. <laughs> I mean, I have a golden parachute and uh, private plane access, um, but I, I get it. We've all been there. I mean, I have security, but we've all been there. I mean, I'm not me, but like I've interviewed people who are in the crosshairs from a safe distance. You know what I mean? I went back to my hotel and they continued in their, you know, uh, tent on the border. Disturbing to see and hear that person refer to a black law enforcement officer as a thug, an adjective he used many times to describe black men and call Caitlin Collins, the moderator, nasty, which is what he calls any woman who stands up to him. It was disturbing to hear him speak so highly of QAnon conspirators and insurrectionists who assaulted police officers in our democracy on January 6th. And it was awful to hear him spread ridiculous lies about the election. 
And it was certainly disturbing to hear that audience, young and old, our fellow citizens, people who love their kids and go to church, laugh and applaud his lies and his continued defamation of a woman who, according to a jury of his peers, he sexually abused and defamed. What? As good a job as Caitlin Collins did trying to fact check him, it is impossible to fact check fully because he lies so shamelessly. Now, many of you think CNN shouldn't have given him any platform to speak, and I understand the anger about that. Giving him the audience, the time, I get that. But this is what I also get. <laughs> the man you were so disturbed to see and hear from last night, that man is the frontrunner for the Republican nomination for president. And according to polling, no other Republican is even close. That man you were so upset to hear from last night, he may be president of the United States in less than two years. And that audience that upset you, that's a sampling of about half the country. They are your family members, your neighbors, and they are voting. Okay, first of all, this is the most patronizing bullshit that is also inaccurate, right? Like that sampling was not representative of the American electorate. Fuck you. Okay, don't make me, don't make me go dark, Brandon. Don't make me be like, Biden won, bitch. Do you know that Biden won? Are you, un do you understand how the American people voted last time around? And many said they're voting for him. Now, maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him. Shut the fuck up, man. We, of course, we've been paying attention to him. We've been living in a post-Trump nightmare. We can't do anything. We He spawned a bunch of mini little wannabe Trumps. People are having their rights taken away. And maybe you went back to brunch. Fuck you, Anderson. You went back to brunch, bitch. Come on. I'm thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So Nothing stopped him. So here's what I say, America. Just accept it. You just lie back and you accept it, you know, and everything will be easier if we just accept the fascism and make money, make it rain. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed and he is running hard. Okay, I'm done with this, but I just think it's so funny. He's reverse engineering um, an excuse that not, no executive at CNN has that same viewpoint that like, oh, we're showing you the bad so you get how bad it is. No, you're not. You platformed a bunch of lies and you did it in the most irresponsible way possible, even though Caitlin Collins attempted to push back. Um, but whatever helps you sleep at night, Anderson, look, I get it. Golden handcuffs are rough. You know what I'm saying? I, I literally don't envy his job, Jake Tapper's job and other people's job who I guess anonymously have said that they are livid about what happened. Um, I don't envy those golden handcuffs. I just think it's so sad that at the end of the day, nah, man, you're a puppet. You, you got, you got to do whatever big man upstairs says, you know, you got to do whatever they want to do for ratings, even though they're trailing to Newsmax. Just, oh, CNN is so mealy mouth. They're so boring. Do something entertaining. You know what's beating? Sorry, last thing. You know what's beating CNN every single night? Greg Gutfeld, y'all. The comedy show on Fox. This, the, the like Howard Stern ripoff. Maybe we could do something like that. Maybe we could have something that's actually funny and entertaining. Oh, no, we've got Bill Maher. Yeah, like I said, actually funny and entertaining. I'm so done. I've gone over and uh, it's my own damn show. But you know what? I'm lighting myself. Joining me, stand-up actor, stand-up actor, a stand-up actor, 
just a stand-up actor, a stand-up, an actor, a writer, who you've seen on his special, a different kind of dude, and you can catch him on tour all summer. Please welcome River Butcher. Hey, oh. Francesca, how's it going? Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Hanging yeah. in there. <laughs> wow, man, I just watched, that was my first time seeing that, and all I wanted to say to you was, did you watch Succession last night? Yes. <laughs> Because that is like just the same machinations, the exact same thing. It's just the exact same thing. Like That was what? the most stressful, like watching that go down. And then also, I mean, we could talk about secession for forever, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's just very like uh, Roman being like, oh, the country is just a big vagina waiting to get <laughs> fucked. And you're like, this is coming from a guy who like clearly has like, like problems and oh, yeah. inability to get it up. And like, oh, and then, and then you were like, oh, this whole country is run by, like, limp-dicked, powerful dudes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, that was, a, that was a cringeworthy performance from Anderson Cooper just now. <laughs> pretty bad. Pretty I mean, bad. Look, they, they, make, they get so many people watching CNN when Trump talks about him, about them. You know? I mean, it's just, like, it's so, it's so obvious, you know, at this point. It's such a joke. It is such a joke. I, I mean, I feel like Tapper is the only saving grace, but I, even that anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> River, what are you yeah. bitching about today? I mean, it's honestly been hard to uh, to nail it down to one thing these days, Francesca. <laughs> and also, here's the thing. It's like it's, it's hard to nail it down to one thing because there's so many things going on. But at the same time, it's also hard to nail it down to one thing because everything is connected. Like no, none of these things like. I'm very grateful for the the WGA strike. I'm a I'm a member of the guild. I'm a member of SAG after as well, um, and, and I'm very grateful that the strike is happening. And I'm glad that more people are beginning to have the conversation that like it's it's like whenever baseball goes through the same thing that like uh, you know they're like oh these millionaires are on strike like get go back to work right. and they try to do the same thing with the WGA because it's like oh these people are making so much more than you know a cashier in the middle of the country. But like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And, and they are still the labor of that quadrant. And so if the labor just shuts up and wears those golden handcuffs all the time, right? Um, then guess what happens? You lose four to 10% of your income in a matter of 10 years. Um, so yeah. anyway, that, that's one thing. What, what, I, what I would like to uh, really bitch about uh, and get really specific, because I am from Ohio originally, I'm from Akron, Ohio is that the Ohio House just passed House Bill, uh, I believe it's 261, or is it just 61? I want to be accurate. HB61, excuse me. Mm -hmm. uh, which is a complete ban on transgender athletes. Uh, sorry, I have an app opening. <laughs> a complete ban on transgender athletes with, of course, uh, a, a, a primed focus on transgender girls and women um, to you know, protect women's sports in high school and college. Um, and this is like the most aggressive ban of its type uh, thus far um, in in this season of uh, of transphobia and genocide against transphobic tra transphobic yeah. I, not not transphobic people transgender people uh, in the United States. Um, and I feel like at this point, you know, for my own mental health, I've had to just not pay as much attention to so many of these things because I yeah. actually cannot i don't have the capacity at least if i fill my capacity with that then i'm not filling it with other life-giving forces like you were saying no um, for sure but so, i mean like as a kid who grew up in ohio yes which is i mean like how, how do you feel like that 
maybe your family back there or friends or people you know who stayed? Like, how's that going to impact them? I mean, it's it's hard to say because I feel like it's just become this like loud one solid thing, and 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 I feel like people don't know what to do, and uh, it's just this sort of like what a shame at this point, you know? And it is, it is yeah. a shame. Um, and I just, I just am so sad for the kids who maybe are just beginning to understand themselves, who have this like earlier possibility than I ever had, and many people that I know, um, who are four or five years old and understanding themselves, and then hearing this and seeing this and witnessing the experience of the adults around them, and this scaring them back deeper into themselves, um, and, and then not being able to just be themselves, you know, I think, but I also try to hold on to the fact that like all of this is happening because we are all doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing. Like we continue to move forward and not just trans folks, but like just all, like all of this backlash and violence and like these laws are violence, you know, like it's not hyperbole to say that any law honestly is violence. Um, because it's upheld by a person with a badge and a gun, <laughs> you know, like who else is going to uphold that law, you know? So, um, right. I mean, we, we're only just a few, yeah. I mean, months away from like, I mean, cause that's the other thing. It's like, well, how are you enforcing this? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What does that right. look like to kids? Yeah. Whether they be trans or not, like, what does that act? I mean, again, the, the hyperbole of like, it's not hyperbole to be like, okay, so are you checking people's genitals? Like what's mm-hmm. going on here? Are you making them like strip? Just like it dehumanizes everyone to right. say nothing of how important sports especially can be to kids who are just kind of struggling or like need to find a like a place, a team, a, like a home, something right. to do. Like, and, you know. And, you know, success in places other than, you know, like school, like, you know, like not everybody succeeds at the the things at school. Like there, it is just another part of the experience of the world. You know, sports are a gathering, sports are a community. Um, And, you know, it's like what I think actually the way that this is enforced Mm -hmm. is by the way that, that gender lines have been enforced since I remember. Um, And I'll tell you like, yes, I am a trans man, but the childhood I grew up with, I would have been kicked off of my teams yeah. because of just, and, and I was not, you know, externally a trans boy or man at that time. You know, it's like difficult to discuss because I don't want to diminish my experience. However, like any amount of masculinity in what is perceived to be a cisgender girl will right. be enough to eliminate you. Right. Like they, they won't need to do any of those like horrific, you know, physical checks that you're talking about because they have eyes. And they will just say, no, you, you cannot. Totally. Uh, and the same goes for trans women, you, you know, young trans women who are perhaps perceived as cisgender boys uh, and have any sort of effeminacy will just be, which is already happening. Yes. <laughs> it already, already happens normally. Yes. yes. Like from everyday life. And so now it's just becoming an even more fractured uh, experience where now it's part of the law and the state and like, this, this like giant to be constantly of- suspect of people who do not fit within strict yes gender right. and norms it's each person's perce- perception of that and so similar yeah. to any other uh, perceived criminality you know that is then placed 
squarely, specifically, first and foremost, in the minds of straight, cisgender, white people to then criminalize everyone that they come into uh, contact mm -hmm. with. This is now just another part of that, and it's happening to children. And I speak not just of the trans children that are being affected by it, because cis children are being affected by it too and, be, and being pulled off and pulled into that white cisgender supremacist you know, mm -hmm. apparatus by seeing these things and hearing these things and it being in the water. Yeah, And, and, it, and I uh, just don't believe that that is true also. Like I also wanna say, and I don't wanna be too long-winded about this. I know there are other people that I urge everyone that to when we see these bills and we hear these states to remember that this is a government and it is not always by the people for the people. Just because Texas has a large amount of these bills, just because Florida is doing what Florida is doing, does not mean that the people of those states all agree and are on board with all of this, especially, I would say, these transgender bills. A lot of people are yeah. confused about it, in the dark about it. They don't even care about it. And that's why they're doing it, because they know they can pull us apart. And so yes. I would just urge people to let go of this idea that we need to somehow boycott or dismiss an entire state. Um, yes, the government, perhaps, but not the people within it, because mm. A, you're dismissing trans people because they exist there. And that's why these bills are happening. And B, the people who love them and C, people who could be changed. Like, right. I truly believe that. And so it's a form of giving up versus. Right. I mean, it's sort of any and like not to make it bring it so pop culture, but it's the you know, it's the Lizzo in Tennessee, I believe Tennessee versus boycotting her show there. It was like, no, I'm going to go and like right. bring drag queens with me. Um, this can be a teachable moment and a lesson. And if only we could do that. I think that's a good thing to remember, River, because me as someone who's been like, we should like Disney needs to get out of Florida immediately. Um, which I still don't completely, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, disavow. But I think you're absolutely right. Remembering that there are people um, who are misrepresented by these draconian laws. I mean, I think I think it would be helpful if Disney stopped paying the politicians who put these laws into practice. That would probably be much more effective than them pulling out of the economy in Florida that actually affects the people who live in it. And a lot, you know, <laughs> because yeah. that's the other thing. It's it's all very like cat and mouse, and there's like a lot of of hidden things behind that. And so yes, I just want to say that like the laws that are that are making people, especially trans people, afraid to go to places, those laws are doing exactly what they're intended to do. And I I implore everyone to remember that moving past this fear and what we're afraid of is exactly what we need to do in this moment, and that we can actually co continue to create connections and. We are stronger than them. We just can't be afraid of them all the time. Mm, I love that. Love it, River. And I totally agree. And and and, and just like I agree, I whole, wholeheartedly agree with you on they're scared. This is because they're scared, and this is because we're ultimately winning. Um, and the ex wide acceptance um, of trans people and people living their truths mm -hmm. in their lives, I think, is growing, and that's a 100%. good thing. One hundred percent. And that um, fear, I know. People often dash that off as like, oh, they're scared. Please look at them. And I'm like, yes, when people are scared, they get angry. They get very angry and angry turns into hate. And so, yes, these are very scared, frightened people who are covering that up 
sometimes for decades. And I can say that from my own experience mm. <laughs> that, that I was afraid and I covered it up with anger and, and rage and all kinds of other things and hatred for people that didn't agree with me. And so I can see that. And so the more we can see that, I'm not saying kumbaya hold somebody's hand that wants, sure. wants to kick you out. I'm just saying like, I can't be so angry that I can't hold the hands of the folks that need me to hold their hands, right. you know, that need me to be with them, that I'm so afraid I cannot see where I need to be and, and, and who, where I need to put my love and, and my strength. You know? And I think, I think that's what these laws are doing as a, as a thing, what fascism wants to do in general. This is a fascist law. So like the best that we can to continue to love ourselves and love each other. And I mean, in a deep, profound, true way, not just like a wall hanging from Target, you know, like, like a, a continuance to move, move forward um, and keep living. Uh, the, the, we're, the better you know, fight these laws. we're starting strong. We're starting strong and deep. Some good wisdom here, River. <laughs> I was just like expletive, expletive, expletive. You're like, we actually need you to, you know, support one another, come together. And I'm like, ah. Uh, <laughs> well, you anyway. gotta get it out and you gotta have all of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. It's we contain all multitudes. Valuable. That's um, I We are gonna do things a little bit differently and we're gonna swap the sitch and the week wear because my next guest has to jump. Um, he is the man in demand, um, but longtime racial justice and labor activist, former president of the Trans-Africa Forum and author of several books, including They're Bankrupting Us. Please welcome Bill Fletcher Jr., everybody. Francesca, glad to be on. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Absolutely. Meet River, Bill, River, River, Bill. Hey, Bill. Hey, River. Um, I want to just jump in because you've been doing some really good I think like convoking and involvement in uh, converse conversations around specifically the war in Ukraine, mm -hmm. Russia's war on Ukraine. Let's jump right into it because we've talked about it on this show occasionally, but never from a bottom up perspective, never from an international solidarity perspective. Um, I think, and you please respond, uh, but I think a blind spot that some Americans on the left have had is around, look, the U.S. government is pouring, you know, billions of dollars into this war. Usually when we pour billions of dollars into a war, we're not always on the right side of the war. Maybe this is maybe there's something up. Maybe this is bad and we shouldn't be as involved as we are. Um, ergo, I either am not going to pay attention to what's going on, not going to talk about it much or I'm actively going to say, well, Russia's just the same. Well, nah, well, what business is it ours? So I guess what are some of your, what are the things you've been seeing and witnessing as it pertains to the left's um, posturing around this particular conflict? So thanks for having me on the program. Before I do this, I want to do something that I probably shouldn't. Okay. I, I just want to see whether I can just follow up on something that River was raising. Yeah. And then I want to jump into Ukraine. Yes. See, I think we have to understand that the far right wishes to suppress women and exterminate the gender nonconforming. That that's what's going on. And people can have different positions on, uh, on, on who participates in what sports and at what point, et cetera. But the underlying issue that's going on is that the far right is attempting, as part of its agenda, to move a white supremacist, male supremacist, uh, uh, gender straitjacketing, 
mm. approach. That is their basic issue. That's what we have to understand. And if we have some more time, I'd like to talk some more about that. But to the question of Ukraine. You can continue. You can, I think we were going to get there, Bill. So we, we okay. I'm okay. happy to just continue on that. On that. All right. Well, thread. it seems, see, one of the things that um, we lived through a period from 1945 to basically about 1980, uh, and definitely until 1990, where the ruling elites had a sort of truce in the United States. And when, and that was because of the Cold War. When the Cold War ended, all bets were off. And we started to see more and more fragmentation within the ruling elites. The Republicans started to rely more on attempting to stir up uh, a mass movement to support their particular agenda. And the analogy is Dr. Frankenstein and the monster. Right. That Dr. Frankenstein thought that he could control the monster that he brought into being. And the monster had different ideas. That is what we have been seeing. Now, this monster of the far right that includes, but it's not limited to neo-fascists. Um, what people have to understand is that this is not simply, a, it's, it's actually not really a conservative movement. Mm. It's a radical reactionary movement that wishes to overthrow constitutional democracy. They wish to return the United States at the latest to 1898. And, and so that in that sense, it's overthrowing the 20th century. Right. That's what we see. And we see it in this counterattack on women, this attempt to suppress and eliminate the rights of women. We see it in matters of race, uh, the xenophobia around immigration. We see it with this, uh, this demonic fascination on attacking trans people. It's all part of trying to shift the United States in a certain way. Now, the the like what's be what is ultimately behind this? Well, ideologically, what's behind this is this idea of what the United States should look like. Right. But you both of you were talking about fear, and there is fear, and there's fear actually at the levels of segments of the ruling class. They're fearing that a new majority is coming into existence in this country, mm. and its new majority will threaten who they are. So we have to fight now. And let me just say this, and I'll shut up, Francesca, that it's not about, and I, I, I think I'm going to go homicidal if I hear someone say again, well, the pendulum has gone to the right. We just have to let it come. No, this is not the way, this is no pendulum. No, yeah. Right? This, is, this is a war. We are in a cold civil war. And if we don't wake up, the war will go hot. Mm. I mean, in some ways that I mean, we, the last time you came on this program, I think, was in the wake of January 6th. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about political violence and it has gone hot. Like it is not a stretch to say there's open political violence, open season on activists, trans people, right? Black Lives Matter folks. Like it doesn't matter. It is like that is all good. It's just not organized. But hell, the Patriot Front marching in D.C. the other day. I mean, not for want of trying. Correct. Now, let's remember that we live in the United States, and the United States has a long history of these kinds of things. I mean, there's many people, particularly of my generation of baby boomers and some a little bit younger, that 
have argued, well, this is not who we are. No, actually, this is. <laughs> this is the United States. That, as I think we talked about, the January 6th uh, coup attempt, very much like the Wilmington coup of 1898, in which a white supremacist armed uprising succeeded in driving out a progressive multiracial populist coalition. I mean, we've seen this before. Rachel Maddow has this whole uh, podcast right. about this plot to overthrow the government in 1940. There had been a plot in 1934 to also to do this from far-right forces. So this is the United States. We should wake up and understand that these forces are not just playing uh, big idiots in Congress or in state legislatures. They have an armed wing and they are tired of what they see as the limits of constitutional democracy. Right. Because they are against the, the changes that people like the three of us and others are pushing, whether it's about the environment, whether it's about gender, women's rights, race, or whatever. Now, I just want to ask, though, uh, you know, tying it back to the very first thing I was talking about on this program, which was about CNN, you know, yes. how do we, as people clearly in the majority, as the fastest, grow, you know, uh, growing voting blocks, you know, of Latinos and Asians, uh, young people, how do we break through to say, no, we are in the majority. We understand, like, we don't want this fascist dissent. Um, when you have the arbiters and the gatekeepers like CNN, like the powerful, who are sort of hell-bent on telling us that, no, 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 that, like, um, the Patriot Front is the exact same as marching against police violence and for, you know, against the murder of unarmed black men. You know what I mean? Like the, the grand equalizing, I think, is what really gets us in trouble. It does. It does. And, and so I would say there's several things that we have to do. <clears throat> First, we have to outnumber them. Literally, they come to a demonstration. We need to have double the number of people. Right. And, and we can't think that resistance is tweeting, right? Uh, that, that, you know, this idea that we express our outrage by tweeting or texting or whatever is absurd. We need to be out there and double the numbers. That's one thing, because optics actually matter. Uh, the second thing is that progressives and leftists have to be much better at echo chambers. The right is very, very good at echo chambers. Uh, they have networks around, I don't mean literal networks, but I'm talking about key contact people around the country. There are talking points that regularly come out of the Heritage Foundation and others. Right. And these different writers, uh, uh, hosts, hostess, et cetera, will repeat these talking points. What progressives often do, often do when we're outraged, we'll maybe say something, maybe post something. And then that's it. It's sort of by itself, mm. as opposed to there need to be hundreds, if not thousands of people around the country that are weighing in. That makes a difference. And, and one, one, so one, what we see is uh, instead of having when the Patriot Front, uh, no, let's use CNN. Instead of when CNN uh, uh, entertains us with Trump and people express their outrage uh, as individuals or send in notes or whatever. We need to have people all over the country that are posing the question, not simply, 
or not just, and, and not only whether Trump should have been on CNN. Because see, Francesca, actually, I don't care whether he was on. What I want is someone to ream him another rear, right? Yeah. I want to know that there's a host that will take him on and not be restricted. I want to know that the audience will not be told, you cannot boo this right. guy. Right. You can only cheer, right? Well, that means we have to be visible. We have to protest. We need to have people down at CNN. Right. You know, we should have a picket line in front of CNN. Hell yeah. But we should have people around the country. And that's part of what I think is missing, that we often get undercounted because it's individual actions or uh, we do our Saturday protests in Washington, D.C. Uh, we, we do things that are of little consequence. Yeah. So we have, we have to change the optics. Sure. Yeah. River, do you want to jump in at all? Yeah, I mean, I, Bill, great to meet you. And I, I agree with everything <laughs> you're saying. I mean, I, I, the, to your point that, uh, you know, like none of this, not, none of this is actually new. You know, not, none of the, it, it has been happening. It's also America. Um, and, and I mean, these, we are, they want to roll everything back. Um, mm-hmm. These laws, these, it, yes, we call them like, you know, anti-transgender laws now because we have the word transgender, but there, it, it, they, we had laws in New York in the 60s, in the 70s, where you had to wear uh, enough articles of male or female clothing or else you were arrested. You know, like the, this is not, none, none right. of this is, is new. It's just new to the people that are hearing it. Um, and, and I agree. I think that, you know, to circle back to the writer's strike, I think it is a good example of exactly what you're talking about, Bill, where we need people actually on the ground and then post posting about it. Yeah. You know, like I am continually watching people uh, going to the strike and posting about it and then going again. And I'm watching the numbers climb of the people who are then doing that. And it is, it is like, I fully agree. You cannot just tweet things. Um, and what people are doing is going and doing the thing and saying, Hey, I'm doing the thing. Come do the thing. Right. Look at right. the thing that we're doing. This is how the thing works. This is what it's going to do. We are stopping productions. We yes. are stopping these teamsters will not cross our picket line because we are the picket line, not somebody else, <laughs> not someone else is doing this thing. Look at what this other person's doing. I am doing this thing and look at what it's doing. Yeah, um, and the and fact I that it's sustained that. is yes. so great, you know? Yes. I mean, that's the power of a strike, obviously, but it is nice to say, okay, I can join this tomorrow or the next day. I'm not going to miss that one, you know, big, you know, again, like Bill, you're saying, that one weekend protest that if you're not there, okay, oh, or like the women's march and then we pack up and go home, it is sustained. And so, mm-hmm. and it, but there's it, another there's another part to this, Francesca and River, which is I don't know whether the Writers Guild did this but I know a lot of unions don't Mm. before going on strike. One of the things that's really critical is to reach out very broadly to prospective allies and explain your case. Right. Now the Teamsters did this in 1997 when they struck against UPS, the Chicago teachers union did this uh, uh, more than once in going on strike where they reached out, and in the case of the Chicago Teachers Union, people became convinced that, that the, 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 the union was striking for the kids. The problem, one of the problems that I'm seeing with the writer's strike is that there are elements in which the public sort of understands some of the issues, that, but the issues have to become really clear for regular people. 
Mm. Otherwise, you get creamed. It goes back to what you were saying before, which is something we see in sports, where often uh, the owners will portray the fights of billionaires against millionaires, thereby trying to make it seem like it's a little consequence. I agree with you. I think the strike is of great consequence, and there need to be more allies. Right. But people have to really understand the issues in order to feel like, yeah, I get it. I, I'm not just with them. I'm with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yes, we'll see. I, I agree. And I think just to speak to the point of the, the writer strike is that a big hill to climb is that the media that is disseminating the information about the strike is on the side of the producers because that's who they are, you know? Is so owned, yes. I don't disagree. Like, I think that's why we have SEIU on the same side as, as WGA. Uh, uh, IATSE is on the same side. So there has been a lot of union conversation. I think that that then public conversation is now starting to drip out. And specifically the AI conversation yes. um, is an incredibly powerful one that I don't know that we could have gotten it out any earlier. And I'll tell you, I was on the road. I'm a stand-up comic. I was flipping through television as I was waiting to go to work. And Bloomberg had some somebody from, I don't know, Switzerland on there talking about the beauty and, and the power of AI. And I'm like, that means something that they're doing damage control to try to get out ahead of this AI thing. Because I think that the AI at first seemed very like, well, I don't know about that. And it is it is insidious and it will take everyone's jobs. Well, and that's what's so ironic writing. about, yeah, the journalists covering it, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, all of the people, again, CNN is then owned by Time Warner. And, you know, uh, like Anderson, Caitlin, your jobs could be replaced by AI. Why not? Why not just have a bot that's like in the interrupting bot? Maybe a bot is the only thing that can keep up with Donald Trump's lies, right? Like, and so it is funny that, yeah, the very people and like as someone who crosses the line between comic and journalists, like, oh, they are gunning for all journalism jobs and what a beleaguered industry already. Um, oh, I want to move on, though. Otherwise, we could talk yeah. about this for a while. Can we can we pivot to talk about Ukraine? Sure, sure, sure. Bill, because you really have yeah. been facilitating some great conversations. We'll put a link in the in the description, but everyone should really watch your conversation on the real news um, about this question of of international solidarity from the ground up with Ukraine and why. You know, it's been a while since the United the, the U.S. left and the anti-war left has actually come together around like look at syria totally totally in tatters and now this war in ukraine it's completely in tatters as well in terms of a response yeah um it's it's incredibly sad and part of it francesca is this the peace movement and much of the left uh is divided about how do you deal with aggressors other than the united states so we're so used to fighting uh, I, I was involved in the formation of United for Peace and Justice in 2002 in anticipation of the invasion of Iraq. Um, and we mobilized literally millions of people yeah. are, are around this. Um, we're used to fighting against U.S. aggression. The problem that emerges for many people is when the aggressor is someone other than the United States and when the victim of that aggression appeals to the world for support, including appealing to the United States, what do we do? Right. And so there are people who are actually friends of mine who uh, oppose the Russian invasion, but do not want 
any weapons going to the Ukrainians. And so I'm saying, okay, so basically what you're saying is you want the Ukrainians to surrender. And he said, no, 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 but but you don't want to strengthen U.S. imperialism. I said, no, well, when Russia was invaded by Germany in 1941, I didn't hear a lot of people complaining about, we got to support the Russians, right? right? And, and it's like, there is a particular aggressor, the the Putin regime is a semi-fascist regime that made it very clear that their objective is annihilating Ukraine as a state. Mm-hmm. They're very clear about this. This is not primarily about NATO expansion. Uh, in fact, Putin was ambiguous about NATO expansion in many ways. This is about um about a, a grab against Ukraine, largely for geopolitical reasons. And the Ukrainians are fighting back. And they're not going to be able to succeed without support. I mean, that's the bottom line. This is this is about national sovereignty. And it's really funny because as much as I talk with uh, friends, people I respect a great deal, they're, they're prepared to accept the Russian explanation about what's going on. And I say to them, but the Russians violated the law. Right. They, they've, they, they recognized Ukraine in 1991. And in 1994, Ukraine turned over nuclear weapons to Russia on, based on the promise that Russia would never attack Ukraine. Right. So wh- what are you saying? Right. So, so my position is, look, I, I, I'm old enough to uh, uh, and experienced enough to know that the U.S. government is not to be trusted. But I also know that in the immediate situation, the Ukrainians need assistance. Mm-hmm. And they'll get it from whoever they can get it from. I don't see a problem with that. I think it is, I mean, just on this particular topic, I think that is why it is so hard for folks on the left to come out strongly in solidarity with Ukrainians because um, the centrist, you know, machine, war machine generally, like all the, and all the, you know, a lot of our money, a lot of the Department of Defense money and military spending is going to Ukraine. And the question is two things. One, can we spend it on other things in this country? And then two, as Ilhan Omar has said, Representative Omar, is this a blank check forever and ever and ever? um, And are we making it worse? So I think those are the, that is why, right? But I absolutely agree with you. I mean, that, yeah, that's the goal. The goal is that no more Ukraine, Russia wins. And Trump and the entire right is parroting Putin talking points and they keep on saying, oh, if Trump were in power, this would never happen. It wouldn't because there would be no more Ukraine. Russia would win outright. No, that's exactly right. And I mean, absolutely. Now, the thing from Congresswoman Omar, who I have great respect for, is it's more of a question. Uh, When when you say, is this a blank check? I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that Ukraine is under assault. So are you basically saying, well, we'll set a sort of time limit. And if the war's not over by then, then we just say, shit happens. Right. People die. I mean, right. No, that's the that's the question. Um, The percentage of resources, money that's being spent on Ukraine, which is for all of us 
is, is more than we can imagine, but it's a minuscule part of the overall budget and a minuscule part of the military budget. If we really want to talk about uh, uh, expenditures, we should talk about the military budget as a whole and the massive amounts of money that are going into that, the bases that the United States has around the world, that com a com completely different category than any other country. That's the issue. Mm -hmm. The issue is not one of whether we defend the people of Ukraine against aggression. That seems to me to be a matter of principle. You know, I'll, I'll go one step farther. If um, I'm very involved in supporting the people of Western Sahara against the Moroccan uh, occupation, and, and there's a war going on. If Russia gave weapons to them, I wouldn't give a damn. Mm. I would say if the, if the Sararis want the weapons in order to fight an illegal occupation, get the weapons from whoever. But understand always the objective of anybody that's giving you aid, whether it's Russia or whether in the case of Ukraine, it's the United States. Don't be naive. Right. That's the fundamental thing. All of the money is bloody. All of the weapons are bloody. Question is, what are the strings? Mm. Yeah, right. I, 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 just a little bit on like, there's so much I want to talk about, and I, we, we don't have forever, but I do want to like talk about Ukrainians um, themselves and yeah. the privilege with which uh, being in Europe um, that has um, afforded them in terms of international um, sympathy. Um, whereas in so many other cases, obviously, you know, you've spoken a lot about, you know, the, the Israeli occupation of, you know, Palestinian right. territories and, and Western Sahara, like we don't, we're not paying attention to those things or the Absolutely. fact that Ukrainian refugees get welcomed into the United States, whereas Afghan interpreters are being turned away who helped the United States, you know, when that occupation was happening, um, illegal yes. occupation was happening in war. So, so like, how do we deal with that, um, double standard? And then I guess sort of um, related to that in a conversation that you had, you know, we're constantly being told by the right or by some folks that, oh, yeah, Ukraine, Ukraine has these like, you know, fascist entities and, you know, and Putin's like, oh, well, these guys are like Nazis or whatnot. And I think right. in your conversation, I think was it, is her name Rana? I, just like there was a yeah. beautiful quote, which is like, you know, the oppressed don't have to be perfect. And I right. think that's something so important to remember if you truly believe in international solidarity um, yeah. about where our allegiances and our support should lie. Those folks don't have to fit, check every box when it comes to, I don't know, pick a whatever, being perfect, perfect victims, if you will, right? You have hit all of the right points. <laughs> I mean, no, you well, have. You I mean, them. I mean, it's just you. You have. Uh, I, I guess I would say a couple of things. One is that there is a tremendous white blind spot when it comes to Ukraine, and and in comparison to Western Sahara, with Myanmar, uh, Israel and Palestine, etc., uh, uh, and and Haiti. Haiti, I was going to say um, yeah. uh, uh, Central America. That that. There is, in fact, a message that there are legitimate refugees and illegitimate refugees. And I don't mean legitimate in a legal sense. I mean in a racial sense, that there are those who are acceptable and those who are not. So Poland takes in uh, Ukrainian refugees. Well, great. But they also 
have xenophobic attacks against the Roma, against Arabs, against uh, people from Africa that are coming in. So part of what we have to do is that we have to expose that hypocrisy and we have to take it on and not be silent, even whether it's coming from Ukraine, Poland, or whoever else. The, the thing about the fascists, you're absolutely right. There are fascists in, in, in Ukraine. There are fascists in the United States. We just talked about them. So maybe someone should invade the United States. There's an idea. Oh, I can't wait. Someone I'm just so ready for China to eliminate all the fascists militarily from the United States. Right? Please. You know, there you go. Right? I'm waiting for the Klingon Empire to arrive. You know? <laughs> um, but the but you know, so you so you have you do have fascists there. There's no question about that. Um, there's it's a it's a, a very small percentage uh, uh, electorally. They have a military arm, um, but what often is not discussed are the fascists in Russia, and I don't mean just the people immediately surrounding Putin. When you look at the uh, Russian intervention in 2014 in the Donbass region, the eastern part of Ukraine, what you saw was the deployment of Russian fascists who were there along with. Uh, non-uniformed Russian troops right. in order to promote the secessionist movement. So the problem of this era, which in fact takes us full circle, is that there's a rising global right wing. Uh, Putin is one of the godfathers of that, along with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, they are actively promoting these neo-fascist forces. When Putin talks about fascists in Ukraine, what he is talking about are Ukrainians. He's not talking about Nazis. Mm -hmm. He's talking mm -hmm. about if you're Ukrainian, if you self-identify as a Ukrainian, ipso facto, you're a Nazi. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's deep. There's a lot to dig into. I guess my last question on this, and then we can move on, because uh, I know you got to go, and, and we, gotta, we have a story to do. I think we might not have time to get to it all, but... Um, a vision for internationalism. You know, I think what happened, my gripe with what I think the left does on this issue is uh, what aboutism and what a shoulda, uh, coulda, shoulda, woulda. There's a lot of like coulda, shoulda, woulda. There was a NATO, you know, there was an offer and the, the United States rejected it. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. And it's like, I get all that. I think the context is very important for this war. I think that Obama should have done more when, you know, 2014, when Crimea was invaded and, and occupied, right? But mm -hmm. that, again, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Here we are now. So how do we hold where we are now and a response to what's going on now and also project kind of a vision of what we hope the United States will be in the world? Like, what is, you know, what is that? What's that pie in the sky, what we want to be in the world? So let me give you a quick response. Yeah, I know it's a lot. One is that we need to be a global partner and not a global bully. The second is that we need a non-polar world, neither a unipolar nor multipolar. Because the idea of multipolar, the world was multipolar in 1914, mm. and we saw where that took us. Um, we need a non-polar world. We need to have, in the, in the case of the Ukraine war, I would argue we do need countries like Brazil, China, and others, even if they're not playing always the best role, but they do have an ability to negotiate or mediate right. the crisis. Right. We need a mediation team that is bringing the two sides together and ultimately with the aim of a peaceful settlement. But fundamentally, the Russians need to get the hell out of Ukraine. Yeah. 
uh, Bill Fletcher Jr., such a pleasure. Please come back, um, you know, more frequently. And everybody, again, there is a robust and wonderful conversation. Bill's had this, uh, you know, facilitated these discussions. And he has a regular show on The Real News or are you just occasional? Occasionally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we will link to that because I found it excellent. And I hope people watch it. But uh, everybody check out Bill's writing and work. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, BillFletcherJr.com. I'm also on Twitter at, uh, at Bill Fletcher Jr. And on Facebook, Bill Fletcher Jr. Amazing. Uh, thank you so much, Bill. Take good care. Uh, thank you. And uh, River, I think we have time for our story. Great. And our final segment. Does that sound good? Oh, yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay, let's do this. Because there's there's, there's just, just one story. And then we'll, we'll save this yeah. other thing for uh, next week. But uh, this is the week where... I mean, is it old news? But uh, this was the week where the Department of Justice finally came for our boy, our boy, George Santos, with 13 counts of um, money laundering, fraud, a bunch of stuff. It finally happened. Um, um, he is just a uh, man. My favorite. A swe sweater vest never looked better. Um so there, George Santos, let's let's go into actually what these what he's being indicted for. Um, according to the indictment, he's be, he used a political consultant to seek donations to a company he falsely claimed was a political fund in support of his campaign. Prosecutors say he used the money instead for personal expenses, including designer clothes and credit card payments. The indictment says Mr. Santos falsely portrayed the company as no, a nonprofit in order to uh, you know have an exemption from caps on campaign fundraising. Donors were told their money would be used to buy television advertising. Instead, the funds were transferred to Mr. Santos's personal account. They were used to make cash withdrawals, personal purchases of luxury designer clothing, credit card payments, a car payment, and payments on personal debts. Okay, but counterpoint, you have to look fly if you're gonna run and like win, somehow win your congressional seat. Oh my God, Republicans will vote for anything. Long Islanders, especially. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you got to like great point. You got to be out of debt to, to uh, yeah. hold public office. I mean, college debt repayment is a scourge on the country. However, uh, everyone running for public office should have all of their debts paid by the people who want to vote for them. <laughs> sounds, exactly. Sounds ethical to me. It Perfectly. sounds highly ethical. Yeah. I also I am like, look into any. Democrat or Republican campaign, and I, I bet you this, it is a wash in this right now because it is like running. I feel like running for public office is like one of the most lucrative things you can do these days. Oh yeah, well, you used well, to put George Santos, people under, and now it's like, oh, this is a business. And he admitted as much to his roommate. I don't know if you remember that he was like, well, you know, the best place for me is just office because like they really let you do anything, and like yeah. I can make hand over fist money. And you're totally right, like. He is, look, I'm sure others have not been as egregious, but there is a flavor to this story that's like, okay, boo, but like, you got to earn that right mm -hmm. to defraud people. You know what I mean? You can't defraud them just out the gate, you know? But he's proving <laughs> that you can actually. <laughs> no, exactly. And that's why they're coming for him, which is oh yeah, yeah. the other thing that he did. And again, we can compare this to current politicians, but he, um, 
he actually filed for unemployment benefits as part of the COVID relief program. He received nearly $25,000, even though he worked an investment firm and was on a salary of $120,000 at the time. And yeah, if he face, if he actually is found guilty, he can face 20 years in prison, um, according to the U.S. Department of Justice for all this. Um, the GOP in New York, they six out of 10 Republicans in New York want him to resign. He's not resigning, River. Uh-uh. He is doubling down. In fact, this was what he had to say in his very, are they Prada? Are they Gucci? I don't know, but very designer glasses. The reality is, is, I'm sorry, it's a witch hunt because <laughs> it, it, it makes no sense that in four months, four months, five months, I'm indicted. You have Joe Biden's entire family receiving deposits from nine, nine family members receiving money from foreign, from foreign destinations into their bank accounts. It's been years of exposing. A lot of you here have reported on them, and yet no investigation is launched into them. I'm going to fight. I will, and I'm just going, I'm getting back to that. I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to deliver. I'm going to fight the witch, and I'm going to take care of clearing my name, and I look forward to doing that. <laughs> I mean, you just can watch the game. He's just like, which who do I, what 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 catchphrase from Trump do I use right now? <laughs> like which thing do I say? Uh, the, 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 I like just listening to everybody boo that was pretty incredible. Yeah, he's like, isn't this all just paint by numbers? Isn't that what you're supposed to do if you want to be a Republican politician? I'm I'm trying to paint the numbers. I'm following the playbook. What are you? What more do you want from me? <laughs> what do you me? want from me? Witch hunt. Witch hunt. Witch hunt. Go away. Yeah, this yeah. Is a witch hunt. Um, and here he is, just the other day. Oh no, today. In fact, this is Tuesday, the 16th. Here he is. Uh, oh, he's doing good congressional work of a good Republican. Uh, he's got all the talking points written in front of him. Just last month, two CC CCP spies were arrested and 36 CCP police officers were charged with operating an illegal and secret police station in New York City. The two alleged CCP spies only to be quickly granted bail and release from custody. In 2020, leaked CCP member data confirmed that U.S. companies such as Boeing, Qualcomm, and Pfizer had employed dozens of CCP members in their Chinese facilities. Rightfully so, Americans are infiltrated, are infiltrated blaming ivory towers in Washington, D.C., and Wall Street for being slow to punch and handing our fragile dominion over to, to, to globalists. Uh, thank you that I read the entire word cloud of a Republican. And um, thank you for listening to my book report. Uh, the CCCCPPPP. Look, I can, I, can spot, I can spot one because I've done it. That is a person who did not read through what they were going to read on the floor. At all before they, he was like, I, I got it. And then, did you see him laughing at himself? Yes, exactly. If <laughs> you're just like, listening, I there's a moment. <laughs> it's the best part. I love that you picked that up, picked up on that. Oh, yeah. that's exactly like, the best I, part. Can I just say, I was I was hosting an awards show once, uh -huh. and they they did as you do. The, wow. Well, it was it wasn't like televised. It was just like a, you know <laughs> whatever. It was a it was a queer thing. And uh, they had the teleprompters 
and I think they gave me the opportunity to read through the thing. And I was like, no, nah, I'll be fine. And then I, I introduced someone so poorly that I was just like, in that moment, I was like, I made a huge mistake because I yeah. just didn't practice the way I should say it. <laughs> like, no, yeah. exactly. I, oh my God. I, I read, I do that all the time. I'm yeah, for, I do, you know, just like, I can wing it. I can wing it. But you're like, no, no. Dominion is, it's a noun in this case. And then right. Dominion. Like, <laughs> like his whole so, thing is I'm winging it. Like that's, yes. it's so, it's so clear that this guy is just like winging it through every moment and like just in it to make money. Like, just, just admit it. Just he admit is. It. It's and, like not a big deal. And I, believe, I mean, you're going to maybe go to jail, but admit it. <laughs> and okay. So update Kevin McCarthy, of course, uh, not asking George Santos to resign. Uh, clearly, as you saw, George Santos not resigning. Um, McCarthy said he's not going to support him for reelection, but he just wants that sort of warm body to, yeah. you know, like cast a vote. yes vote. Um and I think he'll do it. There's a few people jumping into the race, trying to um, Zach Mala, uh, Malamed, a co-founder of Democratic Donor Network Next 50, is announcing his candidacy um, uh, for the same seat. Also, former Democratic State Senator Anna Kaplan, Josh Lafazan, a former county legislator, law professor Will Murphy, Kellen Curry, a Republican veteran in the war in Afghanistan who worked at J.P. Morgan. Um, but did he, though? Did he actually serve? Is he, like... Was it Afghanistan in Central Asia or like Afghanistan, Texas? Is there an Afghanistan, Texas? There's an Afghanistan, Paris, Texas. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't believe anyone now. I don't, I don't, I'm going to no, need to interrogate you? your record. Like, why? I mean, I, perhaps I'm being, you know, naive and, and perhaps I'm misremembering the past, but I do remember perhaps it was uh, uh, pre fairness doctrine. Um, mm -hmm. So ni before 1987, which I do remember, that's how old I am. I do remember <laughs> there was a time in which there was scrutiny <laughs> on these kinds of things. Now, it was within a wider scope. It wasn't only that and, and nothing was being done. There was always smoke and mirrors. Um, but I feel as though this scrutiny has gone very much uh, to the wayside, you know, similar to just like echoing sort of the general tone of what Bill was talking about earlier where it's like it's just the, the post 90s all bets are off it's like fox news right. comes into the picture we're not talking about those things anymore um and then it just like leads us down this path to someone who can just cash in i mean why right. not i mean we've got guys that just cashed in on the supreme court you know like all debts are paid yes. get in there do what we want brett exactly he's the lead the speaker of the house the house leader is not asking him to resign yeah. He lied about everything, and he did drag. Oh, my God, River. He also did drag. That wasn't him, though. Was it not? It was, was it not? Did I? He was saying it wasn't him. I was oh, also just right. thinking yesterday about Madison Cawthorn being. Oh, my booted, God. You know, and just, just it, I, like, I don't, I don't come down on anything between the two. Just, just interesting to look at those two and go, Wow, I, interesting that they they booted Madison Cawthorn, but they did not boot. They're not willing to boot George Santos. Perhaps it's just a timing thing and and feeling like dwindling numbers or not wanting to lose any numbers this far down the road. But like, I, I'm 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 shocked. I mean, I guess also this George Santos makes a great Republican player. I think as a gay man, who for that reason, because the mainstreaming of cisgender gay people. 
uh, has, I forgot has, that he was gay. Yes, I know. Uh, and his willingness to uh, to fight an anti-trans fight and pull that whole magnet on. The, yeah, it just it's 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 not great. Well, and his and his seat is swing, right? Like that's why yeah, it's yeah. like Cawthorn was replaced by another Republican, and right. also George Santos knows when to keep his mouth shut about those orgies, you know, those congressional sure. orgies. Um, whereas Cawthorn did not. God, it, it just. Anyway, we'll see. I'm very excited. I, I just, I love him grandstanding. Can I just say I like, I want more of that. I want more unread transcripts of and speeches someone, someone else wrote for you. Chat GPT. Santos absolutely phones in his speeches on Chat GPT. He's like, he oh, uses yeah. AI. He cannot wait to use AI to legislate. You know he doesn't want to pay anybody but himself. Right. <laughs> well, you have to pay for the service. I still haven't used it because well, I. I mean, he doesn't want to pay a human being to write that oh, speech. Of course not. Saying. Of course not. <laughs> we have a final segment. We've got a ghoul, a lot of ghouls uh, this this hour. Although we did, we're leaving behind Stephen Miller. I may talk about him Friday, um, but Ron DeSantis uh, this week um, outdoing himself, uh, signing a bunch of bills, tightening his grasp on the education system in that state. Uh, he signed a couple bills barring colleges and universities from any public funding of DEI programs or diversity, equity, and inclusion programs. So any money that colleges and universities get, they can't direct to those programs. And then another bill that restricts topics from being taught in general education. So like, I guess, intro courses, um, topics like structural racism, sexism, oppression of any kind, I don't know, anything that would hurt white straight men fifis you know um so in light of all that i want he he's saying this let's just hang on he's saying this about what he wants out of florida's education system take a listen if you want to do things like uh gender ideology uh go to berkeley go to some of these other places that's fine <laughs> it's fine and there's nothing, if that's what you want to do, there's, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, per se. But for us, with our tax dollars, we want to focus on the classical mission of what a university is supposed to be. Uh, we don't want to be diverted into a lot of these niche subjects that are heavily politicized. Uh, we want to focus on the basics. So he says, we want to focus on the basics, which I wanted to drill down on. Um, God, there's so much to say. By the way, it's not federal funding. It's public funding. So whatever, any state funds. Um, I love also like gender ideology river from what we were talking about earlier. That's like such a catchphrase as if gender isn't imposed like tacitly overtly in a million different ways, every single waking moment of our lives. Like what talk about that ideology. It's like, I don't know. It's, it's like calling something a socialist ideology as if capitalism isn't the system we currently live under, right? Um, anywho, but I want to know, since Ron wants to focus only on the basics, what are the basic courses he would be okay with it? This is Ron 101. I don't know how much time you had to think about this, but I had a, I had a few. I'm just going to go Ron 101. Ron's very cool in Florida with shop. (laughs) (laughs) Straight shop, dude. Shop. As long as you're building manly things. As long as you're building other benches with which 
to build other benches with which to build other benches. That's the only thing you can build and shop. That's right. That, I mean, that I is bird feeder bullshit. I, I do think we sh should have more shop classes. Just to say. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the, actually, the, this should be a good credit. Right the dismantling of shop classes by the rich elites was actually pretty, pretty <laughs> detrimental. To I never got the into shop. Country. I know it was gone by the time I was in high school. Oh, it um, was not an elective. I got stuck with the shit electives. Anyway, uh, I was going to say <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I just immediately kind of along the lines of what you were saying. Do you remember those old commercials in the 80s where they would be like, get your BA in like two weeks or whatever? Uh -huh. <laughs> so I think Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis classes are uh, TV VCR repair and guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was those were the two that I remember from that. You can you can do that. You could get a diploma in guns. Yeah, you can get a I mean, you could get a Bachelor of Fine Arts in guns. Bachelor of Fine Guns. A I Bachelor like of Fine Arms. You know? Yeah, yeah. Bachelor of Arms and A Bachelor sciences. of Firearms. How did bachelor it take me that long to get to it? Bachelor of Firearms. There you go. That's it. You know. Um, <laughs> bachelor of Firearms is great. Um, I'm going to say intro to the Confederacy. Hmm, uh, just a brief little intro. Uh, the myth of the female orgasm. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, original alpha male. And how the West was won and other things to talk about when you're a teacher at a high school kegger. <laughs> those, those are the basics. That's all you need to know. You need to know enough to impress a 17-year-old to get laid. That's right. Or 18. I guess she was. Right. Yeah. She said she was 18. She said she was. Exactly. Oh, so, you know what's funny about this, though? Like, Base like intro to classes like a Marxist taught one of my classes in freshman year and mm -hmm. completely radicalized me. That's what's dope about college is you're like, oh, hell yeah. Now we don't have to do like some fucking lame workbook shit out of my lame high school textbook. Now we get like the real stuff, the heady stuff, the fun stuff. I don't know. Maybe that's just me who like likes democracy and like information and stuff. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, the the the. Uh... The fight against uh, higher education has been a long one by the Republicans, <laughs> the conservatives, for quite some time. Um, I actually listened to a really great "You're Wrong About" about that, where they talked a lot about it about political correctness, and that, uh, it's interesting to me that Ron DeSantis is picking this back up again because uh, it kind of quieted down for a little while. But like colleges are where people become anti-war and yes. <laughs> anti like. For, former Republicans go, wait a minute, you know, like it, yep. it is a place where people begin to think for themselves yep. uh, because they're given a space to do that. You know, yep. I, I mean, I took classes from people who said things that I really fully disagreed with. And then I took classes from people that I was like, huh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Uh, but I needed the, the classes where people said things where like I literally had a Western civilizations uh, professor who at the time we had a movement on campus and this was 2001. So like, mm -hmm. imagine if you can, what it was like to be queer on a campus in the middle of Ohio. Professors <sighs> were putting a little pink triangle in their office windows and saying, hey, this is a safe space. You can talk to me. Like you don't right. have to be afraid. Like that's what it was like. It's what it's like now also again. So I'm not saying, it, but it did change in that time because of people doing things like that. And this guy, after taking us through the civil rights movement was like, this is special rights. I'll never put one of those in my windows. And I'm like, interesting. And I still think about that. 
Like I this still is one of your professors. That. This is one of my professors. Yes. And I still think about that and consider it not. And I don't, I, at the time I was just like, I eventually dismissed it out of hand, but I still consider it because like that he wasn't the only person I witnessed on that campus. And so what, I guess what I'm, you know, ruining the game by talking again, but like, DeSantis no, 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 it's fine. Doesn't want differing opinions. You know, DeSantis wants only someone saying white history is the only history and white e economics is the only economics and male bodies are the only valid bodies. And those male bodies will decide which female bodies are the only valid female bodies. Sure. And well, that's another only, class that he'd be down with is like, what right. is a woman? And it'd be like, duh, I don't know. <laughs> like, like, they'd spend an entire semester on like actually discovering with the With a sign outside that says no women. girls allowed. Yeah, yeah, way exactly. Way. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and no, I think that you're right. And I think the, uh, like, it's also assuming that, right, that everyone's going to emerge a, like a radical or a leftist. And that's totally not true. Oh my God, I, I, debated with tons of dudes who were like we we're in a colonialism class and they're like you know but actually all this was good and i'm like bitch are you not listening to what we're studying and it's like no they're not because that some people just are conservative and that's okay you know like right. some people will take a class on colonialism and say that was a good thing um so uh it's just so funny also uh, interesting that you brought up colonialism <laughs> Of course, uh, because <laughs> one other thing I just want to point out about what he was saying is interesting that he was like, if you want to do this, go somewhere else. And is that not an essential thread of of the far right, of of the, the middle right, of the conservative movement? Like, yeah, no, I'm OK with it. Just go somewhere else. Like and that is a, a very thin veil over what Bill was talking about, which is it's actually about extermination. When you right. kick, when you move someone off and you move them off and you move them off, eventually there's nowhere else for them to go. And yep. that's extermination. <laughs> like eventually you're placing them in a place where it's only them and they're isolated and they cannot go anywhere else. And so, yeah, yep. it seems like silly and like, yeah, go to Berkeley. Ha 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 ha. But I know what that means. Yep. You're not welcome here. You're not wanted here. We're getting rid of you. Yep. And the amount, I mean, and the whole anti, like, stop woke act, when we know woke is a euphemism basically for black people uh, mm. and queer people, and you're like, yeah, those folks still live in the state. You didn't, by saying that, make them disappear, but you sure made them want to disappear. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, too, just to point out, like, yes, it's a euphemism for people, but to use the word in its original essence, which was uh, a consciousness raising, specifically of black Americans in this country, like stay aware, raise your consciousness, be awake to what is going on around you. And then to have someone say an anti-woke bill, that's stay saying sleep. get away, like kill, kill the consciousness, kill yes. this consciousness. No, that's exactly, I mean, that's exactly what they want to do. They're like, no, no, no. College should just be, you know, learning about your guns and then watching uh, Schoolhouse Rocks on repeat. It was good for kids in the 80s. It's good for us now. It's good for yeah. college well, students now. It should just just punch a ticket to the elites. Just punch a ticket to a certain uh, bracket and vote Republican. That's what they want. Absolutely. Um, River Butcher, always <laughs> a pleasure. It's been so long and I'm so great uh, grateful you came on. So glad to be here. Shout out to Noemi Green, uh, patron of the show, who says, can't wait to see River in Portland, June 4th. Yes. 
I promise I won't flash him with my dragon t-shirt as I did with you for Jessica. It was very funny. Uh, oh my God. Great. Yeah, I can't no, wait to see them. I'm actually, I'm shooting a special uh, that night in Portland. Oh my God. So please, if you're Everybody, Portland, if you're, yes. Are there still uh, tickets available? Still tickets available. Going fast on my website, riverbutcher.com. It's going to be at Helium Comedy Club in Portland oh on the 4th. I'm also going to be in Virginia that weekend. The uh, sec first and the second uh, for Pride. So come out to that. I'll be in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, the weekend of of uh, Memorial Day, and I'll be in La Jolla this weekend. So if you're in La Jolla, come on out to the Comedy Store. But all the tickets, all the dates are on my website, and that's riverbutcher.com. And Francesca, thanks so much for having me back. It's always Likewise. a pleasure to be here. Uh, thank you. Take very good care, and thank you all for sticking around, for being here for the through this convo. Sorry we only had one story, but, you know, it had to be Santos. You got to end it on a, you know, an up, an up, up. Um Let's see. Michael Gonzalez on YouTube. A few comments says destroying the country for ratings. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. CNN. I mean, they don't learn. They don't learn. They want us to forget. We know what you did last election. I mean, you know, last, last election. Um, Gina Viola, how are you? How a news org going to say this man lies all the time. So we went ahead and put him on. I mean, would you platform George Santos? I guess not. Well, he's not a front runner. Like, give us the bullet points. We know what he's going to say or put him on in a very, very different format. Um, Gina Viola wants River to, River performs all over LA. Um, I, I'm sure his website says something. Let's see. Um, fun P on YouTube says, sports for kids are supposed to create confidence and friendships. It's not about the numbers or records 99.9% .9 of the time. Yeah, no shit. Thank you for pointing that out. It is, nobody, nobody, nobody cares. Nobody is going in and being like, you know, well, this trans kid hit more baskets. And that's why, like, you gotta be the sickest, most, like, bored ass privileged per parent. The most helicopter, like, right wing helicopter mom. Anyway, um... Robert, thank you again for your super chat. As a lefty of sort, there are a lot more of us than there are of them. Otherwise, there would be none of us, in indeed. And Rachel Atwood, uh, thanks so much for uh, always being here. I was living in the Ukraine where when war broke out, my world was turned upside down. And, you know, I, I love that you're always here and chiming in on this topic. And um, I think we need to do better at, at truly understanding and engaging in real solidarity with people of Ukraine and the people around the world who are suffering similar occupations. Um, I just, it sucks that our vision of U.S. foreign policy is so two-dimensional um, and that our vision of U.S. imperialism or imperialism in general is just about U.S. imperialism. Because I think it, it bleeds into what you hear out of the mouth of Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? And I think Democrats have too easily given up the anti-war mantle to the right, which is they're not anti-war for the right reasons. They're anti-war because they want more guns for themselves. Um, they want to, you know, police the border. They want to put nukes down there. Um, let's see. Uh, Camperman 5000, friggin' Bill made me not... 
freaking bill made me not chat so much had me had my ass listening <laughs> thank you so much and thanks for being a, a, a member. You can be a member of this show on YouTube if you want. Um, Rachel Atwood, you should talk to Vlad Vlexer about Russia, Ukraine. Thanks so much for your super chat. Jeff Curry, got to admit, George Santos has totally figured out how to be a Republican. He really has. He, he, he got the, he's painted by the numbers, people. And Spectrophonic got the date of River Show on his calendar. Thanks so much. And uh, over on Twitch, guys, Thank you so much, Frank Morningtree, for giving out five community subs. You're amazing. Thank you, Anonymous Griff Gifter, not Grifter, for giving out a community sub. And also, Frank Morningtree resubscribed. Love you. Thank you, for, thank you uh, ZX227, for resubscribing for one month of Tier 1. They've been subscribed for seven months. Um, always love your show, Francesca. Love hearing what needs to be bitched about in the news while entertaining us with your humor. You're welcome. And you know what I didn't entertain you with? The effing fart song. So here we go, people. I'm late, but here we go. Yeah. All right. So all that I said, thank you to all the Twitch folks. You're wonderful. Um, over on Patreon, thank you to Sheila Lemming for upping your pledge. You're so generous. You are wonderful. And John Winkler, welcome. I believe welcome to the Orchada Armada. Um, for the big tippers, we have no big tippers, but TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Um, Twitch subs, I just read. Thank you to Paige Omek, to Maximilian Inhoff, to Andy Vasoyan for always your support. Uh, remember, we stream uh, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on YouTube and Twitch. Also on Fridays at the same time. Follow the show on Twitter at Bituation Pod, even though I fucking hate that platform now. Uh, on TikTok and Instagram at Franny Fio. Uh, and remember, guys, fight the power. Fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it. Be about it. Mm -hmm.